Well, I appreciate the words that Brother McNeil has spoken to us, and um, you know, seeking first the kingdom of God as a servant in the kingdom, because it's His kingdom, right? We said it's, a, we call it, it's called the kingdom of God, right? So if you're going to seek the kingdom, you're going to seek it as a servant. <laughs> That's the only way you can, because it's not your kingdom. Um, but it can be a scary thing, as McNeil has preached to us, because you're, you're not going to get the accolades of the world, probably. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't bless you, and he does, and he certainly has been very good to us, hasn't he? Um, but it's not, it's not the easy path. But don't y'all love that promise? That if you seek the kingdom of God, all those things that you need will be given to you. They'll be added to you. David said this in Psalm 37 in verse 25. He says, I have been young and now am old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Now that's not to say that, that the righteous have never been in times of poverty. The Apostle Paul said he was in fastings often when he's recounting to the Corinthians, I believe it is, the things that had happened in his life. He says, I was in fastings often. And he doesn't mean he was just doing that as a spiritual exercise. He was without food. He had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten. The life of a disciple can be rough. We, we, we've lost that perspective altogether as Americans. It's hard for me to even fathom that. So it's not saying that that would never happen, that you'll never go hungry, you'll never go without the, the things that you need for a time. But David says, I was young and now I'm old and when I look back over my life, the Lord has been good to the righteous. The Lord has been good to those that try to do right, that try to seek him. And I've never seen those that follow God begging for bread. You notice in there that he says, I've been young and now I'm old. I'm reminded of Brother Ronald Lawrence. If you've listened to him preach some, you've probably heard him talk about that, that the Bible has two age categories. You're either young or you're old. <laughs> there is no middle age in the scripture. <laughs> And I think it was here when he was here in April, he said the, the category for old keeps getting older and older and older as he ages. <laughs> um, so I can't tell you if you are young or old today. <laughs> First of all, that would not be wise for the pastor to, to make that <laughs> statement to anyone. But you can determine whether you're young or old. How about that? If you'll remember last week, we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 2. One of the verses we looked at was verse 22, where the Apostle Paul told Timothy to flee also youthful lusts. He says you need to run away from, to, to do away with, to purge yourself from the, the youthful lusts, the cravings for things that are not good for you. And that's, a, that's, that's something that's common to all mankind. When you're younger, the things that aren't good for you look better to you when you're younger than when you're older because hopefully, um, hopefully when you're older, you've learned a few things, right? I don't remember if it was Mark Twain or 
I can't remember who it was that said, if you're, if you're not young and liberal, you do not have a heart. Churchill, thank you. He said, if you're not young and liberal, you do not have a heart. If you're not old and conservative, you do not have a brain. <laughs> As you grow, you learn things, right? Well, he's saying to the, to the young, you need, to, you need to run away from those things. I'm going to tell you, I think we forget. One thing that happens as you age, maybe the things that you lust after change and that desire dwindles, but I think you also forget how hard it is to be young. <laughs> you ever thought about how hard it is to be a baby that's learning to walk? That's got to be a frustrating process, isn't it? You take a few steps and you fall down. <laughs> You take a few more steps and you fall down again. I'd, I'd get, would y'all get frustrated if that was your life? That would be frustrating. Um, it can be hard to be a young person. You know, Timothy was probably in his 30s when Paul wrote to him. And to me, that's young. <laughs> I'm 37. I think the average age of an American is 38. So I'm about average. But... Youth is a process, and it can be hard to be young. Um, you know, a lot of the sermons that you hear, or a lot of the things that you hear, maybe older people talking about younger people, can be negative. Can we agree with that? People say, well, people just don't have it together like they used to. <laughs> young people just don't have a purpose or a desire. Some of that's true. Brother McNeil's young. Would we can? Sorry, brother, but you're still young. <laughs> um, but to preach a message like that gives me hope. That's not what I was doing when I was his age. I meet a lot of impressive young people. I've met a lot of impressive young people. Um, so it's it's never it's not my intent now or ever to run down young people or be negative about young people. I think young people need positivity. Um, but you know, you, it is true to the youth of this church, I can say that your generation, whatever it is, it's a millennial or Gen Z or, or whatever the, what, I'm a millennial. You know, they categorize me as, as a millennial, born in 1985. But there are other generations under me that are younger. And, and each one of those generations has a lot of problems and a lot of flaws. I can admit that of my generation, and it's true with yours. But the secret to young people is this. Every generation before you has had a lot of problems and a lot of flaws. Can we agree with that today? Every generation has had a lot of problems. It's, it's, easy as you, as you, it's easy for an older generation to blame a younger generation for the problems that are happening. <laughs> Maybe it's the church. They can say, well, the young people just aren't interested. And, you know, that can be true. I believe it was Barna and USA Today did a study, two separate studies, and they both found, Barna is a Christian research group, that 75% of youth leave the church. And, and I, when I say the church, I mean anything you call church in America. They leave after high school. That's a problem, isn't it? So the church is not in the best shape in America today. Well, it's easy for the older generation to say, well, it's the younger generation's fault. They're the one leaving. Well, they have parents who raised them and grandparents who raised them, 
Maybe they need some of the blame. It's easy to look out at our country. You'd have to be blind to look out at the country and say, man, things are going great. <laughs> They're not. And it's easy for old people to look out and say, and, and, and say or older people, to look out and say, well, it's, the, it's that young generation. It's their fault. Well, I told you the average age in America of an American is 38 years old. But the average age of a congressperson in America is 65. Almost 30 years older, right? So whose fault really is it <laughs> that we're in this mess? Don't blame me. <laughs> old folks, don't blame me. <laughs> Get your act together. <laughs> now, it's not all their fault either. But, but when I think about the youth of the church, I, I personally, I love the youth of our church. Don't y'all? <laughs> um, I table hop on... When we have lunch downstairs, I'm kind of a nomad. <laughs> uh, I'll go from table to table. I can't make it to every one of them. On Wednesday nights, I'll do the same thing. Because I like to, I mean, I'm the pastor here. That makes sense. And it's not, it wouldn't be a bad idea for everybody here, if you're having lunch, to change where you sit every once in a while. <laughs> change it up. Now, I know that could cause a stir. I'm not saying to do that. I'm not going to force you to do that, but it might be a good idea of your own free will that you do that. <laughs> um, but I'll hop from table to table to talk to each other. And there's only one table downstairs that ever begs me to stay. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's not the older deacons. <laughs> it's the young little boys. <laughs> So they're my favorites, I'll just be honest. <laughs> they don't ever have problems. They don't ever, I don't ever do anything wrong <laughs> in their mind. Um, and they want me to stay at their table. And it's probably because we're about, uh, that's probably the table my maturity level I need to be at. <laughs> I don't know if that says more about me or them, but they want me to stay. Um, and I pray for them often. We talk about young kids in our church. It is true. They're, they're coming into an environment that's totally different than any environment, even my environment. I'm a child of the 90s, and a lot has changed since the 90s. Um, it's a tough environment to, in which to live today and be a Christian and follow Jesus today. Uh, if, if, the, if the numbers are true, and I don't know if those are exactly true, and it'd be different for different denominations, but if 75% of young people are leaving the faith after high school, it's going to be hard to be part of that 25% that stays faithful, isn't it? So I pray for our young children. Teenagers, it's hard. To, it's a confusing time. Has there ever been a time in the history of this nation where people have lost common sense like they have today? Um, it's, it's crazy. College students, um, starting your career, that can be a hard time. And that's a youth, isn't it? That's a, that's a young person, young couples, young families, young marriages. Um, you know, when you take two sinners and put them together, <laughs> that's hard, isn't it? And then a lot of times you're still a youth and then you have another youth. <laughs> and now you've got three sinners in the house. <laughs> 
gets even harder. We need, we need, we need the prayers of our church family. Because the, the reason that we need that is because the youth, when you look out, at, and I don't, I hate to name names here because I'll forget somebody, you know, but when you look at Andrew and Blaine and Bo and Sawyer, um, you look at Isaac and Teddy and Walter and Arlie Greer, Abby Grace, you, you look out there, Kate, that's the future of this church. Y'all understand that, right? I, I pray to God that he'll bring in new people into our church that we'll be able to evangelize he'll open doors and that and that we'll grow with faces we've never seen before we have some here today that that have been coming that i've just grown to love and i hope the lord will continue to bless us with that but um i hope i'm here for many years that'd be my but but one day i'll be gone and bo and every grace will still be here hopefully right that's the hope you never know um but that is the future of the church now we depend on God but we're dependent on them as well to carry on the church y'all see that we need to pray for them don't we because if you're a youth today and you're you're living you have a difficult task ahead of you right to be faithful to persevere uh, to to shine your light in a dark world. You gotta be, you, you got a difficult task to perform, and it's it is a hostile or difficult environment in which you've been given to perform that task. Y'all understand that today? It's harder today, in my opinion, in 2022, about to be 2023, to be a faithful Christian, especially if you're a young person. Because it's always hard to go against the flow, right? It's always hard. There's a broad way, Jesus says, and many there be that go in there at, but it leads to destruction. And there's a narrow way, Jesus says, and there's few that go in that way, but that actually leads to life. That leads to that life that Brother McNeil was talking about, that special blessing that God gives unto his children uh, that, that follow after him. So we looked at, at 2 Timothy 2 and 22 where he said to flee youthful lust. I want to go back to the first the first epistle to Timothy, and begin in verse 4. Or excuse me, begin in, in verse, or in chapter 4. So 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. We've been studying in 2 Timothy, which was written a few years after 1 Timothy, but Paul's a, a young minister of the gospel. And some of the things, as we've said over and over, when Paul writes to Timothy are specifically given to a minister of the gospel. But we've been looking at Timothy's life and trying to, uh, to take what Paul gives to him and apply that to, to anyone, any disciple's life, um, to see how it is that we can live better in the kingdom of God, be better disciples, be better Christians. And so Paul begins chapter 4 by saying, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. He tells Timothy, he said, there's a, there's a time coming 
these latter times. And, and certainly this could have reference to the time just before Christ's return. But since Christ was crucified, was put in the tomb, was resurrected and ascended to heaven, we are living in the last days. From, from his crucifixion and resurrection unto his return, those are the last days. There's, there's not another period of time that will happen after that. He will come back to get us and we will be with him forever, right? We're living in the latter times, the last days. And he says that in these last days, there's going to be people that depart from the faith, that will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and speaking lies and hypocrisy. He's going to be them that depart from the faith, that, that were once in the faith. See, you can't depart from something you weren't in at one time, right? So he's saying there's going to be people who are in the church, who are in the faith, who were disciples of Jesus, they're going to depart from it. And Timothy was already experiencing this. Paul had written to him in 2 Timothy by saying, remember Hymenius and Philetus that had destroyed the faith of some, saying the resurrection had already passed? We've been looking at that. It's already happening to Timothy. There's people that are departing the faith. They're speaking lies and hypocrisy. They have their conscience seared with a hot iron. Can we not see that today? We look out in society. Can you not see that people have their conscience? These are, there are children of God today that are doing things that they feel no shame in. Matter of fact, many of them have pride in the things that they do and they, they don't feel bad about it because their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. Forbidding to marry. You know, there's certainly been um, uh, religions and, and, and different uh, organizations that would have, uh, that would forbid certain people to marry, but he says there's coming a time where there, there will be an attack on marriage. Do y'all see that? And today, today marriage is, is, is looked at in many ways in our society as an afterthought. When marriage was a, was a beautiful gift of God given in the garden, that we should, we, that should be the goal of a young person's life is to marry. And, and many many. Uh, people frame marriage today in such a way that it's a, a burden to your life to be married, right? It's, it's, it's something that will hinder your success in life, no? And, and listen, stats will, will prove this out. Um, one, of, one, of the, one of the greatest things you can do to be successful in, in life today in America is to be married. <laughs> married people's income, their household income is higher, their, their mental health is better, don't let the devil kid you into thinking that marriage is a bad thing. He says, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. He says there's going to come a time where they, 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 will, they will say that you need to abstain from certain meats, which God has given you to be received with thanksgiving. And certainly this was happening in Timothy's time. We see it happening in our day today, don't we? And he says there's nothing to be refused if it's, if it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Verse 6, he says to Timothy, If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourish up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto you have attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptations. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. 
Paul's saying, because of these things, Timothy, this is why we labor. This is why we suffer reproach. And that has been the common uh, theme of Christians throughout uh, all the ages and all the generations, that those that, that really step out in faith and labor, they will suffer reproach of the society in which they're in. Do you all see that? <clears throat> and Paul says, but we do this, the reason we can do this is because we trust in the living God. And, 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 and whether you're young or old today, and this, this message is for the youth of the church, but whether you're young or old today, if you're going to labor and suffer for the cause of Christ, you will have to do it with your faith in the living God, right? You're going to have to put your faith and in in, in your trust in the living God. Paul says, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Just like Brother McNeil had said earlier, there's a special blessing to those who, who, who not just a He's not saying those that just know about God or, or, or simply believe in him in, in, a, in a vain way. He's saying those that, that really place their trust in the living God, he will come to you in a special way. Have you all experienced that in your life? When you really begin to follow God? He says to Timothy in verse 11, these things command and teach. So he's saying to Timothy, by the way, who's at Ephesus? A city, a wealthy city given over to idolatry. And he says, I want you to go into this city. I want you to go among these people. Um, I want you to, the, the, the ones who are, who are doing these things that we mentioned, and I want you to command and teach them things that they probably don't want to hear. So what we have here is a young person who has a hard task to perform in a difficult environment. The, the, same, the same thing we're facing today as young people. A hard task in a difficult environment. So listen to what he says to Timothy in verse 12. He says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be, an, be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. This young man, whom, whom through the Spirit of God, Paul has given this task to command and teach these things uh, to, the, to the believers of the churches in Ephesus, to the, to the people that he would interact with. And, you know, Paul would tell him later uh, to, to do the, the, the job of an evangelist. He's going to go out and evangelize people who are given over to the, uh, you know, the goddess Diana or to temple worship. He's going to go out and do hard things, right? And Paul says to him, don't let anyone despise your youth. What, that, what, the, what he's saying to them is, he says, Timothy, I know you're young. And Timothy, Paul's saying, Timothy, I know you're going to go out, and because you're young, there's going to be certain um, people and, and certain groups that will not give you the respect you deserve. And, and we're, we can be guilty of that, right, to look down upon young people. But he says, listen, don't give anyone a reason that they could think bad about you or say things bad about you or, or to, to uh, don't allow them, is what that word means, to think or say bad things about you because of your youth or your youthfulness or your, maybe your inexperience in the ministry. He's saying, he's saying, Timothy, live in such a way that they don't have a reason to hold your youth against you. 
Do y'all see that this morning? He's saying, he's saying live your life so that, that your youthful age can't be something that the old people will hold against you. And that'll happen, won't it? <laughs> that will happen. But, he says, instead of living your life in such a way that, that, that people could think bad about you or say bad things about you because of your youth, he says, but here's what you can do. And so to the, to the young dads, moms, husbands, wives, college students, teenagers, children, you know, elementary school children of our church, here's what you can do. You don't want to act in such a way that people can talk bad about you. But here's what you can do. He says, but be. That, that word means to, to it, it, you can be something right now, right? But you can become or grow into something. And that's the role of the youth, right? To grow into something that they can be so that others can see. He says, but be thou an example. <laughs> Brother McNeil talked about our ultimate example today is Jesus Christ. And you know, there's a, there's a, there's a saying that to never meet your heroes because you'll always be disappointed, Right? And that's going to be true of anyone in the church. If you get to know somebody well enough, you're going to be able to find some things that you don't agree with, and they're going to let you down. <laughs> but that will never be true of Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate example. But although he is the ultimate example, we're still called to be examples ourselves. Paul would tell, the, I believe it's the Philippian church, to follow after him. He would say that the Thessalonican church had been an example. Their faith was spoken of throughout the whole world. We, that should be our goal, whether you're young or old. But young people, here's your goal in the church, is you want to grow into or, or be. You don't have to grow into this. Maybe you've grown into this. The goal is that you would become an example, a, a, a pattern to be copied, to be imitated. You want to live your life as someone who lives their life in a way worthy of imitation. Think about that. When you're doing things, you can think, would this be good for someone else to do? <laughs> and if the answer is no, you probably shouldn't be doing it, right? How come, have, do y'all find it easier um, to give advice to other people or yourself? <laughs> probably other people, right? Well, here's some advice that you can give yourself. Would I want other people to see me doing this and imitate me? doing this we need to be a good example someone you know your hero is someone you admire right I, I can promise you if you're here today if you're a part of this church you've been a part of this church for a while there's someone here that's looking up to you whether you know it or not and there are little ones who are watching you they see what you do they understand they understand a lot more than you give them credit for <laughs> I think I've told y'all about Evie Grace winning the Skittles. Did I tell you all that story? She won, I mean, she won like 500 fun-sized bags of Skittles <laughs> at a carnival we went to. <laughs> and she has braces, and she can't eat Skittles. <laughs> so I humbled myself, Brother McNeil, and I said, I'll eat these Skittles for our family. <laughs> but we, 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 we watch in our home, we... we we, we try to um, 
We try not to watch TV all day, right? There's a limitation on how much screen time we have. And then we try not to eat sweets all the time. And Brother Bo had gone to bed, and so had Evie Grace. And um, I, I guess something had scared him, or I don't know what it was, and he came down the stairs, <laughs> and I was watching TV, <laughs> and I had a mound of empty, fun-sized Skittles. <laughs> And whatever it was that he had on his mind, he forgot that right away as he turned the corner. <laughs> and he said, Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> I wasn't being a good example, was I? <laughs> now, that's a funny example, but he saw that and noticed that. And Brother Bo, you can get your own house, your own family, you can get all the Skittles you want. <laughs> But he's watching. I don't mean to embarrass Bo, but I asked him the other day, who are, your, who are your heroes? That's a good question to ask your kids, isn't it? Who are they looking up to? He said, two people, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> now, I'm impressed because Hulk Hogan somebody I should have looked up to. So I'm raising Bo right. <laughs> now, I'm talking about, this is getting insider baseball. I'm not talking about Terry Bollea, the man that plays Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he's probably not a good one to look up to. But the character Hulk Hogan was a good dude, right? Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, America first. <laughs> he said Hulk Hogan and Liam Hall. <laughs> Brother Liam. Now think about that for a moment. And I think that's because Liam's taking time to, to be around him. He, he told Isaac when we had our fellowship thing at, at Tanny Hill, I remember Bo ran back, and he said, he said, Dad, you've got to come meet Isaac's friend, Kale. <laughs> well, I'd known Kale. Kale was taking time to, to float a boat down the river, the creek with them. Those kids are looking up to y'all. When, when you're up here song leading, there's little kids that are looking up to you. And we need, I, I look up to Brother Sam Bryant. He looked up to Brother Pat Bird. It's a gener this is a generational thing, isn't it? And we need to be good examples to one another. And so young people, you can right now, i, I got to hurry, six things. Six things that Paul lists that you can be a good example in, in word. That's, just, that's, that's what you say, your speech, the things you say, the things that come out of your mouth. You need to be a good example to those around you. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 15 and 4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. I don't know exactly how it works, but what comes out of your mouth affects what's in between your ears. Okay? And he says you need to be an example in, in your words. David said, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep, protect the doors of my lips. He didn't want things to come out of his mouth that shouldn't be coming out of his mouth. And so Paul says here, I want you to be an example in word. Not only in word, he says in conversation. That's your walk, your manner of life. See, where speech is the things that come out of your mouth, word, and that's the things you say, your conversation are the things you do. <laughs> And you can say something or you can live something, and both of them give a message, right? 
And so Paul's saying, you know, not only be an example in the things you say, but in the things you do. Right before uh, chapter 2 in Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, I believe it is, he says, let your, um, Paul says, only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel. He said, he's telling these, and the, one of the ways they're going to do that is to humble themselves after the example of how Jesus humbled himself. But Paul is saying to the Philippians, you need to let your, your manner of life, your walk of life, the example you're setting, be, make it that others would see that the gospel has made an impact upon your life. Right? That's the main point of that verse. You need to, you need to live in such a way that you are different. And the thing that makes the difference in your life that people will see is your relationship with Christ. He says that you would be an example in charity. That's love for for other church members and love for other people, love in action. Be an example. And young people can be an example of love. He says in spirit. Be an ex- he's, sa- he's saying to Timothy, who is, who is going to be, uh, he's going to be ministering to those who are older than him. He says, I want you to be an example in spirit under the believers. That is, that is your zeal or your vigor or your excitement. Um, if, if you look up the word uh, spirit, like in a Strong's Concordance, or Thayer's Lexicon, you get to the root of the word, it, it, it would mean a, a movement of air, the wind, a blast of air, right? Jesus said the spirit, goes. it's like the wind, it goes where it wants to. The spirit's like the wind, and the wind goes where it listeth, and you can't hear the sound thereof. Tell where it comes or where it's going. He says, so is the Spirit of God. Young people, you can, be, you can be a blast of fresh air in this church. Did you know that? You ever heard of, the, you ever heard of somebody that's in the doldrums? They're just kind of in a de- depressed, inactive. Y'all ever been there yourself? You just kind of get in this. You're really just stagnant, right? You're not going anywhere. We, we get that word from, so about, I believe it's about five degrees, it's a nautical term, the doldrums, five degrees uh, north and five degrees south of the equator is where the, the trade winds come together from the north and the south and they go up into the atmosphere and there's, there's very little wind at the surface. And so sailors know that if they reach that point and there's no wind, they could, this is when you're sailing a ship, they could be stuck there for days or weeks just stagnant, right? Because they're in the doldrums. You know churches can get in that, that frame of mind. They can, be, they can get in the doldrums. They can become stagnant where there's no wind. Paul's saying to Timothy, and I'm saying to you today, whether you're 5 or 15 or 25 or 35 or whatever it may be, the youth can be an example and you can be, you can be the breath of fresh air that gets your church out of those doldrums. You, there's, there's nothing that excites, I can promise you, there's nothing that excites a church more than young people getting involved, right? Getting excited about church. Uh, walking down the aisle and becoming a part of the church. Uh, wanting, to, wanting to go out and, and evangelize. Or I, I've, seen, I've, I've driven by churches before where they had, they had uh, youth outside, like those, you know those guys that wave those signs and stuff, trying to get them to come in. And if y'all sign up for it, I'll buy the signs, okay? It kind of made me want to go there. I thought there may be something about that church if they can get young people to do that. <laughs> um, 
You can be a breath of fresh air to your church, young people. Young fam- when you see young families that, that bring their children to church, uh, you, see, you see young families that, is it easy in, in a family-integrated setting, you've got little kids, is it easy? It'd be easier to put them in a buggy and push them away somewhere, wouldn't it? It would, but that's the broad way. We want to be in the narrow way, which leads to life, right? Well, it, it, I'm going to tell you, it excites me and it invigorates me when I see young families come in here with their kids and battle through. <laughs> Paul said, I wrestled with beasts at Ephesus. It was a family-integrated church. <laughs> he was wrestling with his children. <laughs> now, of course, that's a joke. But that, 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 that brings some spirit, some zeal back into church. He says, be an example in faith. Oh, young people, you can be an example in faithfulness and reliance upon your, your Lord and, and your convictions. Oh, we need, we need young and old people who are faithful to their convictions, don't we? Who will stand firm. He says, be an example in faith and in purity. That simply means living a clean life. Young people, that's what it means. Being pure. Very hard to stay pure in a, word, in a world that is so impure. That's why, that's why James said that that was part of pure religion, is to keep yourself unspotted from the world, that you would be unspoiled, un, unpolluted from the world. And you know, although it's hard, just like all these things are hard. And a clean, living a clean life is, is, is difficult. But I'm going to tell you, that's, that is the way to sanity, isn't it? That's, that's the way. That is the good life. You know, psychologists will tell you a clean environment versus a messy environment. They both have an impact upon your mental health. It's got to be the same with our lives, right? There's a Canadian psychologist who they say has helped a lot of young men. And, and he'll, 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 I've heard him give lectures, and he'll say these, these men will come to me with young men. And look, there are problems in life, right? And young people have problems. They'll come to him and say, how do I get my life together? And his advice, this is his advice, the first thing you do is cl- go clean your room. I talked about my junk drawers in my office last week, didn't I? I'm a messy person, (laughs) y'all. Pray for Carrie. She is not. That's why marriage can be hard. I said that, didn't I? She overlooks my faults. But I cleaned up my office after talking about those junk drawers last week. (laughs) I convicted myself. And I feel better in there. It's the same with your life. You clean up your life, you'll just feel better. He says, be an example in purity. And how are you going to do that? You've got a difficult task. You've got a difficult environment. Well, here's the, here's the juice you need. <laughs> he says, till I come, until I come to you, verse 13, until I make my way back to you, Timothy, I want you to give attendance. I want you to turn your mind and your attention to something else. And this is part of seeking the kingdom of God first. I want you to turn your mind and your attention to three things. He says, to reading. I want you to, I want you to, 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 to study, to read. Um, that's, the, that's, the one, that's, that's one of the biggest regrets of my life is that 
until several years ago, I wasn't much of a reader. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, there's, there's something in reading the Word of God or, or spiritual books or just good, clean, whatever it is, that's, it's a lot better than, than watching a YouTube video. And I watch my share of those. But he says, I want you to give yourself over to reading, reading the Word of God, reading about the Word of God, reading good, clean material. I want you to give yourself over to reading because that will focus your mind. That will focus your mind on the things you need to be that example in the way you talk, in the way you walk, in the way you love, in the way you... Your spiritual and your faithfulness and your purity. He says, I want you to give yourself unto reading. And, and listen, most of the things that you focus your mind on, they impact the things you do. Give yourself to exhortation. Now certainly Timothy was here to exhort and to motivate and to encourage from the pulpit of that church. You may not be doing that today, but young people, as, as Brother McNeil preached earlier, you can be a source of encouragement, can't you? He says, be... Give yourself to exhortation and to doctrine. That's to the truth. And listen, I know I harp on this a lot. That's, that's giving your attention and yourself to the church because the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And you can't get the doctrine outside of the church. Do y'all see that? He's saying, Timothy, I want you to turn your attention and your mind on those three things, on reading, on exhortation, and on the doctrine. That's, that's, those are the things you need. Those are the means in which God has given you so that you can be that example. The Word of God. Uh, Psalm 119 and 9, we'll close with this. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? He says, how, how, can a, how can a man, how can a young man, a young woman cleanse their ways? How can they remain unspotted from the world? How can they live a life like, like Paul is saying to be an example the psalmist says, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. It's a relationship with the word of God. The word of God was given to change you, right? Jesus said, sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. Um, I'll just say this once again to the young people. I love you, and it's a hard, it is a hard environment. I pray for you. This church, and that's what the church is here for, right? All of us are here to encourage you. And if you need help with something, the best thing you can do is to, to ask for help with whatever that is. And if you don't want to tell it to anybody else, you tell it to me. And I'll do my best to help you because I love you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Brother McNeil. Thank you for all the, the youth of our church. And we hear um, babies crying and, and uh, feet walking. I, I pray that it won't in any way annoy us, but that we would stop and think, say, God, we're so thankful to hear those babies crying and those feet stomping and those songbooks falling because there's some churches where they aren't. And we're thankful for the youth of this church. Help us to be moms and dads that can, that can raise up the youth as young mothers and fathers or husbands and wives, college students, high school students, middle school, elementary school, whatever it is, help us all to be examples. Help the old to be an example to the young. Help us all to take heed unto ourselves and unto your word so that we may uh, be a, 
be a part of the spiritual growth of those here at this church. Open up doors of opportunity for us that we may speak your word to others, that they would come in amongst us uh, and, and be saved to a knowledge of the finished work of Jesus Christ for your glory. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.